Well, good morning, everyone. Was that silence a little awkward? Man, it's stressful, isn't it? We don't like it when it's silent. We're not used to that. I, I was stressed out back there. I knew I needed to get out here, but I wanted you to feel that tension. Because today we're talking about when life hits, when God is silent. And sometimes when God is silent, it can be the most painful, frustrating time. Sometimes you experience God's silence. It's not always in hurtful seasons. It's not always when you're facing a loss or you're grieving. It's not always when you're stressed or you're facing a big decision. Sometimes even life can be going good and you're seeking God and you just feel like he's silent. You're not hearing him like you used to. And man, people have come to me and said, Dwayne, where is God? I'm not, I'm not sensing him in my spirit. I'm not hearing him speak to me. And, and I've been there too. And I want to encourage you today with uh, what God has to say about when he's silent. It's frustrating when you're trying to communicate with someone and they're not listening to you or you don't feel like they're listening. They're not speaking back to you. And we're going to wrestle with this together. Well, my name's Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I hope you'll take out your outline in the program and follow along and take some notes. But God often uses silence to get our attention. He uses silence to, to get us to listen a little more closely. And silence can be a very great tool when we want to draw aside and listen to God. Sometimes we need to get in a quiet place. This video illustrates the power of being silent, getting away from all the noise and everything that's distracting you. But like I said, there's times in the Christian life where you just feel like God's not there. He's not speaking to you. And you wind up very frustrated. And if you're not careful, your, your heart can lead you astray. You can start to have some doubts and some questions about God and who he is. You know, few things are more damaging to a relationship than a sense of not being heard or not being responded to. Uh, a band called A Great Big World, they wrote a song and sang it with Christian Aguilera called um, Say Something. Maybe some of you know that song. And there's a slide there on the screen. It's Say Something. She says, I'm giving up on you. I'm sorry that I couldn't get to you. Anywhere I would have followed you. Say something. I'm giving up on you. You know, she's trying to reach out one last time, but she's given up because her boyfriend, her husband, whoever it is she's trying to reach out to is not responding to her. And when God is silent, you know, it's painful. When someone we love is silent, it's painful. And so the first feeling there on your outline, number one, is when, when God is silent, when you're experiencing this, avoid two deadly assumptions. Two deadly assumptions. Now, when I was in school, one year, I can't remember anything a teacher taught me other than she diagrammed a sentence on the board for us, because some of us had made some assumptions. And she said, when you assume, it makes a, and she, you know, a fool out of you and me, right? I remember that lesson. She didn't say the word out loud, but she diagrammed it for us. And we make assumptions, it often makes us look foolish, right? We often make some big mistakes. It reminds me of this lady, this, this senior citizen, she retired to Florida, white-haired lady, she was shopping, she had a couple bags, she goes out to her car, she goes to get in her car, and she sees her car backing out of the stall as she's walking down the row. She drops her bag, she reaches in her handbag, she pulls out her pistol. She stands right here, stop, get out right now, or I'll shoot. And they slammed on the brakes, and four young men, man, out of every door of the car, four guys just took off in every direction. She's like, man, good thing I got me a gun. She put it back in her bag. She takes all her groceries, shoves them in the car, and she gets in, and she cannot get her key in the ignition. She could not get, so she got out to get some help, and five cars down, she saw her car in the row. She went over, put her, sure enough, she carjacked her, a car. <laughs> and she puts all her stuff. She's so embarrassed, she drives down to the police department to confess what she's just done. 
And the police sergeant just can't stop laughing because over on the other side of the room, there's four guys like quaking in fear, <laughs> reporting their carjacking. So no charges were filed. Everything was okay. But she made some assumptions that were pretty embarrassing, right? That's supposed to be a true story. Maybe you've made some assumptions. <clears throat> when, when you're feeling like God is silent, it's easy after a while. You go through that period. You can start assuming that God's not there and God doesn't care. You can start making some assumptions that God's, God's not, I'm not hearing from God. He doesn't care about me. He's turned his back on me. Maybe God's not even real. Maybe he's not even there. And, uh, you know, it, it just discourages you. Nothing, it just causes doubts. It weakens your faith. And you can make some bad mistakes when you're in that place. As I was reading a little bit this week about this subject, I came across a, another pastor's uh, uh, statement. He, it's not on your outline, but I thought it was pretty good. He said, never confuse God's silence with God's absence. Never confuse God's silence with God's absence. So I, I, I was definitely encouraged me. And so I want to challenge you, don't make life decisions when you're in a bad place. I don't know where we got this little saying, but I learned it from Pastor Paul he can't remember where he got it from. He was having a senior moment too. We don't know where we, where we get these things from. But someone said, when you're hurting, when you're struggling, when you're having doubts, it's not the time to make big life decisions. You don't decide whether to marry somebody or whether to leave somebody or whether to quit a job or quit your ministry or walk away from God when you're in a bad place. Don't make life decisions when you're in a bad place. You know, I want to share uh, an experience where I went through a time of... Uh, God was just silent, and man, I, it, it almost, I mean, I started making some assumptions. Back in uh, <clears throat> January of 1984, I was, I've told you before, I was kind of living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, just kind of, I liked, I loved God, but I loved myself and what I wanted to do more, and it was miserable, and so I finally came to that place where I surrendered to God. I said, God, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do, and I wound up going on a mission trip on spring break instead of going home to work and earn money, spending money for college. And so I went home, and I went, I went to a mission trip to inner city Philadelphia, and man, it was just powerful. God, I really felt God speaking to me there. Not, I don't know how to explain it, but most of you know what I'm talking about. It's not like I was hearing the voices, right? But you just sense God's talking to you. You know he's impressing something on you. It's not from you, and it's not what the world would be. T- you just know, and I just felt God telling me, this summer, I want you to invest your life in people. I want you to do something different this summer. I want you to serve me this summer. And so instead of going home and working in the supermarket like I did every year, they'd give me a lot of hours and bank a lot of money, so I'd have spending money to make it through the college year. I, I went on this mission trip, and I, I told God, I mean, I, went, I, took, I said, stepped out in faith, and I said, I'll serve you this summer. And so uh, it, it was near the end of the school year. I didn't even know how I was going to find a job, place to live, a car, all that stuff. But within a matter of a couple weeks, I mean, it's miraculously, I'm not going to go into all the details, but every little detail fell into place. I mean, it was so clear the hand of God was all over, putting me in this position, this opportunity I had to serve in a church near my college, about 45 minutes away. And so everything worked out. And not only that, it was a perfect situation for me. I was 20 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a clue. Some of you still think that way about me. That's all right. But I didn't know what I was doing. So I go down. And this church was like the perfect situation for me because they had a youth committee made up of, all, of the youth leaders and some of the parents and some of the kids, and they had already mapped out the whole summer program. They'd already mapped. They just wanted somebody to show up at every event, kind of be the point Peter, 
person, be the point person, be the leader, and love on these kids and teach the lessons. And so that's what I did. We had a great summer, man. The youth groups grew. Kids came to Christ. You know, they were bringing their friends. It was like, man, I just felt like God really used me. And it was like a spiritual high. I was so excited. Now, in the meantime, because of my commitment to Christ, to put him first, I wound up having to break up with my girlfriend in college that I thought we were going to wind up getting married. Thought we were going to get married and, you know, but it was obvious when I started making, putting Christ first, it created some rifts between us. We broke up and it was very painful. And so my, my heart, you know, I was hurting. I go back to college. I'm trying to focus on school. The church liked me so much. They said, we want to hire you to keep working during the school year. And I thought, yeah, I love these kids. I'll do that. And so I'm working, but I was so distracted by my emotional pain. And so I was having a hard time focusing on school and these kids and, and, you know, I thought I'd pray a really mature prayer. I didn't ask God to just magically make all my pain go away. I knew that was normal to have pain when you go through, you know, a loss like that. I just said, God, help me to focus. Help me to focus on my studies. Help me to focus on these kids. Help me to get my head right, you know, because I was just so distracted. It was, just, you know, it's it just hard to do things well. Well, weeks went by, and it seemed like my problem got worse. And months went by. And so by, by Thanksgiving, I was feeling like, man, God, are you, are you even there? Are you listening to me? Are you even real? And so I started doubting whether God even existed. Because, man, I came off this spiritual high. Now where is God? Wasn't helping me. I was just having a hard time to function. And so I remember calling my dad one night. I said, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resign. I'm going to resign this position. My dad was a pastor. I said, I'm going to resign. And uh, here's why. I'm, just, I'm really wondering if God's even really real. I haven't heard from him. I haven't felt God. I'm trying to lead these kids. I don't even know if God's there. I don't even hear him speaking to me. And my dad said, never, I don't remember his exact words, but something like this, never make a, a big decision in a dark place. Don't make that decision now. Give it a few more months. Hang in there. Maybe God's stretching you, growing your faith. We don't know what he's doing, but hang in there. I asked my dad, he's in town. They were here last night. I said, dad, what, do you remember what you told me? He said, no, I can't remember, son. It was something like that. He was having a senior moment too. So anyway, I, I was just like, man. So I said, okay, I'll hang in there a few more months. And you know, after two or three more months, I began to sense God speaking to me, you know, clearly again and leading me and guiding me. And I think part of, part of that process God took me through was to stretch my faith, to grow me, to mature me, to teach me not to live by my feelings, but to live by faith, by, by who he is and what I'd experienced in the past. So I just want to encourage you, you know, don't make a big decision when you're in that place. And maybe some of you, you walked in here today and you're discouraged because you're feeling like you don't know if God's there and you don't know if he even cares about you. And I just want to remind you, God loves you. He cares about you. He has a purpose for you. And even though you can't see it or you can't feel it, he's at work right now. So don't, you know, guard your heart against those assumptions. Now, I can't find a Bible verse that says exactly what we're talking about, but I can find this principle. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. You know, sometimes you get all excited, you want to make a big decision, but you don't have all the information. Well, let me say, not just when you're enthusiastic, but when you're hurting, when you're confused, you don't have all the information Haste is going to make mistakes. Make sure you, you get all the information. Give it some time. Don't make big decisions. 
when you're in a bad place. Number two, when you, when you come to a place and you feel like God is silent, let me challenge you to examine your heart. Examine my heart. You know, sometimes God's silence is my responsibility. Like in the video, sometimes we're just, I mean, the world is distracting. There's noise all the time. It's things demanding our attention. We, we, we have to be very intentional about getting to a place where we can quiet down and listen to God. Sometimes it's my responsibility. But there's also other things that can cause me to be experiencing God's silence. Isaiah said this, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Can you underline that phrase? It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Sometimes... You know, you, you're trying to follow Christ. You've experienced Him speaking to you, but there's an area in your life where you're just being disobedient to God. It could be something God's Word clearly says, don't do this, and you're doing it, or God's Word says, do this, and you're not doing it. It could be something you just know in your heart, and you're willfully choosing to sin, and after a while, God's going to get silent. That's one of the ways He gets your attention. Man, you start noticing something's missing. And Isaiah says, it's your sins. Sometimes it, it cuts off that communication. Now, I want to be clear. If you have a relationship with Christ, you're, you're a child of God, the Bible says. You don't lose that relationship. But what it's like is some of you don't have great relationships with mom or dad. Some of you struggle with your parents. And you could have a big fight with your mom or your dad, and you could not be talking. You could be giving each other silent treatment, not talking to each other. But he's still your dad, Right? You can unfriend people, but you can't undad people. You know what I mean? You can't like, <clears throat> and the Bible says God's our father. So when we sin, we, we're still his father. Once we're adopted into his family, we can't lose that relationship. But that communication can become very difficult. You know, bad relationships, sin has come. Like Pastor Paul talked last week about unclogging the sewer line in your life. You know, there could be some things that start to block and hinder your communication with God. So your sins cut you off. So let me just encourage you. You may need to spend some time just examining, is there something in your life you know is dishonoring God? Or maybe is, do you have a blind spot? You know, one of David's great prayers in the Bible, he says, search me, O God, and, sh- and see if there's any wicked way in me. You know, show me. The Bible says our hearts are deceptive. So take some time to examine yourself. And then number three, draw near to God when he seems distant. Draw near to God when he seems distant. Now, when somebody's like, I'm feeling like somebody's distant from me and they're not really connecting with me and they're not, you know, I'm making all the effort. Hey, let's get together and do that. Let's get together and let's go golfing. Let's have lunch. Let's do this. And they never respond. They never initiate. After a while, you kind of just stop trying, right? Hey, they're not communicating with me. It's kind of like feels like it's going silent. I'm just going to quit reaching out. But let me encourage you, when you feel like God is silent, keep drawing near to Him. Keep intentionally trying to connect with God. James gives us some great advice. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Can you underline that word, submit? Submit means like you're going to surrender. God, I'm putting myself under you and your leadership and your authority. Submit yourselves to God. Put Him first. And then James says this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, you know, Satan... He, let's be real, he's, he's at work trying to tempt you and destroy you. He hates God. And I don't blame everything on Satan. I cause enough problems myself for myself. I don't need to blame stuff on Satan. But he's, he's trying to tempt you. And one of the things Satan wants you to believe, he wants you to believe that God's not there or that God doesn't care. He wants you to believe that. 
He'll do whatever he can, whisper into your ear, make you doubt God, make you stop coming to God. And James says, resist the devil. Instead, he says in verse 8, draw near to God. Can you underline that phrase? When God feels distant, when he feels silent, no matter how you feel, keep drawing near to God and he will draw near to you. James says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Again, you know, confess your sins. Come clean with God. Remove those things that could be an obstacle in your relationship. Even when not sensing God's presence, when he seems silent, do you know, even when you can't sense God speaking to you in your heart or in your gut, God is still talking to you. I mean, all you have to do is open up the Bible, get around some other believers. God's still trying to communicate with you, even if you're not sensing it here. Henry Blackaby says, God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. God's trying to communicate with you. And even if you're, something's off and you're not hearing it here, you still need to be listening and seeking and drawing him. And maybe you're doing everything just right, but God's stretching you and growing you and getting your attention with this silence. Keep drawing near to God. He's speaking. You know, when I was a kid, how many of you still, do, do you guys still listen to the radio? Anybody listen to the radio? Because everybody has all their, you know, their iPhones and, you know, music things, Pandora, whatever. You know, people don't listen to radio so much. But when I was a kid, that was, that was all we had. I know it's kind of sad, right? We just had the radio. So you, you, I remember when I was a kid and my dad would change the station. And I used to think, what happened to those people when he changed the station? They're not talking to us. They like take a break. Are they off for a while? You know, where, where are they? I can't hear them now. He went from the news to some music. You know, I'm like, well, well you know, just because you're not hearing God doesn't mean he's not still talking. Just because, you know, it's silent doesn't mean something's not still going on. And he may not be speaking the way that you expect. He might not be speaking to you the way that you want. You know, it's the easiest way is you sense God in your heart. I don't have to do any hard work. I just sense God speaking to me. But maybe he wants me to dig into his word and get around some other people and learn from them. So God might not be speaking to you the way you want, like just right in your gut, in your heart. He's not the way you expect. It's like this couple. Man, they were having some hard times. They were giving each other the silent treatment. It dragged on for days. Can you imagine how fun that was? And this guy, this guy, he had a hard time getting up in the morning. He, he had a hard time if he had to get up early so his wife would, you know, if he had a big trip or anything, his wife would help make sure he got up. And sure enough, this business trip came up. He had to go to Australia. He needed to be out the door. He needed to be up at 5 a.m. And he, he was just dreading it. He set his alarm, but he didn't want to be the one to break the silence. So he left a note on his wife's pillow. Please wake me up at 5 a.m. Sure enough, the next morning he woke up, it was nine o'clock. Man, he was so mad. He was going to lose this big contract. He was looking for his wife. He was, he was going to finally say something. Why didn't she wake him up? And then he noticed a note by his bed. Honey, it's nine o'clock. Wake up with exclamation points. Wasn't what he expected. You know, she wouldn't communicate with him the way expected because her relationship had been damaged. Well, God's going to speak to you through his word. He, he has things he wants to say to you. And you have to keep drawing near to God and crying out to him. And that leads to number four. When you come to God, worship God for who he is and what he's done. Worship God for who he is and what he's done. I love this uh, story or psalm. King David wrote, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Can you underline that phrase? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forgotten about me? 
He says, why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Man, God went silent. And maybe you could write that yourself. You know, you say, man, that's exactly how I was feeling last night or this morning or last week. Maybe you felt this way before. And there's no resolution in the, in the psalm. I mean, God doesn't all of a sudden speak to David. Doesn't say, David doesn't say in the psalm, oh, there you are, thanks for hearing me. So there's this silence, but look what David says in verse 3. Very important, yet. Can you circle the word yet? Even though you're silent, David says, you are enthroned as the Holy One. David knows that God is the Holy One. He's over everything. He, he's picturing God on His throne, ruling over the universe. You are the one Israel praises. So he remembered who God is. And he also remembered what God had done. He said, in you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. They trusted you and you delivered them. Let me encourage you, if God feels silent and you're getting discouraged, look back at your life. I mean, when are some times you could clearly see God's hand in your life? You could clearly see God working. You knew that he was real. See, God doesn't want you to just live by your feelings. He wants you to live by faith and he wants you to live by the facts. You can look back in the past and see how God was active in your life. You can see how he showed up. And you know, deep down inside, you know who he is. And David chose to praise God, even though God was silent, and even though he probably didn't feel like it. You know, one definition of maturity is doing the right thing, regardless of how you feel. Regardless of how you feel. You know, one, one way that shows up in your life is you get up and go to work every morning, right? Do you want to go? Do you feel like going to work most days? Does anybody feel like going to work most days? I see a couple hands. I want your job. You feel, I like my job, but sometimes, man, it's hard. Sometimes, I, sometimes I'll be honest, man, I wish I could just stay home and eat some more turkey. I wish I could just watch another game or whatever. But, you know, you show up because maturity, you do the right thing regardless of how you feel. David didn't let his emotions control him, that doubt that crept into his life. So you say, I'm going to keep drawing near to God and I'm going to keep worshiping you no matter what. Remember Psalm 22 when God goes silent. And then number five, this is really important. Borrow some confidence. Refuse to isolate yourself. Borrow some confidence. Refuse to isolate. One of the kings in the Old Testament, one of the better kings, or most of them were bad, one of the better kings was King Hezekiah. And uh, they were being attacked. The big army was coming against them. And they made all the preparations. But he also sought God. And he called the people together because he didn't want, you know, they were afraid. And he said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. And you're going, man, I don't even, I'm not even hearing God. I'm not sensing any great power. Well, that's why you need to get around some other people. Because Hezekiah, look, he said, he reminded him, with him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. Can you underline that phrase? The people gained confidence from what Hezekiah said. I mean, sometimes you're not hearing God. He's silent, and you're like about to give up on God. You're making some assumptions, and Sunday rolls around, and you're like, I don't want to go to church. I don't feel like going to church. I don't even feel God speaking to me. Maturity is doing the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. And you get up, you drag yourself to church, and you try to borrow some confidence from someone else who's hearing from God right now, 
get around some other people who are worshiping God. And it's even more important you get in a small group. Some people who know you. You know, if you, if you make some assumptions and you kind of give up on God and walk away, we, I, I'm sorry, I, I, as much as I might know you and love you, I might not notice for a few weeks. I mean, there's like seven or 800 people here on the weekends. I might not notice right away. Pastor Paul might not notice right away. But you need to be in a small group where some people know you where you're connected, where you get together. And when you're struggling, you borrow some confidence from them. And you know what? When God starts speaking to you again and you're feeling on fire, then you can repay that debt and you can lend to other people who need to borrow some confidence from you. We need each other. And you borrow confidence from each other and you show up even when you don't feel like it. You know, I'm so thankful for our church family. There's so many of you who are so faithful and we gather together before the services and pray. And there's people who show up here early, every week, before every service. It just encourages me, their faithfulness. I'm sure there's some weeks they don't feel like showing up, but they come. And they're here. And we, we make a team. And we work together to try to, to, to encourage you and share God's love. And you need to, you know, be connected to other people. And then number six, you're going to have to make a choice. None of these steps, I'm not saying any of this is easy, but you're going to have to choose to trust God as at work in the silence. You know, I told you my story. I, I really didn't think God was at work in the silence. Why he couldn't just answer my simple prayer so I could be a little better student and finally graduate from college and so I could be a better student ministry leader. I didn't understand why God wasn't answering my prayer. But, but looking back later, I could see he was growing me. He was strengthening me. He was building confidence in me. I can see that even when I couldn't see it, he was at work. Well, I need to choose to trust. Sometimes God's using silence to work on you or to teach you some things. See, a few verses later tells us this. uh, Well, if you read in 2 Kings 20 also, it tells us a little bit more about King Hezekiah. But because he was a good king, God blessed him. Things were going pretty well. They had a lot of uh, resources and wealth. And some some other ambassadors came to see him. And he kind of showed off everything he had. He was starting to get a little bit of pride starting to rely on himself a little bit. And so it says these ambassadors arrived from Babylon to ask about the remarkable events that had taken place in the land. God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him. Can you underline that phrase? God withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him. God went silent. It wasn't like Hezekiah was bad, or he, but he was trying to teach him something because if, if he didn't get Hezekiah's attention, Hezekiah was headed towards some mistakes. And he wanted Hezekiah, see, he wanted to see, it says he wanted to see what was really in his heart. Now, God already knew what was in Hezekiah's heart. What he really wanted to do was reveal it, reveal it so Hezekiah would see and deal with some things and get his attention to warn him. And so Richard Hendricks says, second only to suffering, waiting. You know, a lot of times we're waiting when God is silent. Waiting may be the greatest teacher and trainer in godliness, maturity, in genuine spirituality, most of us ever encounter. Now, I told you a few weeks ago, I really don't like waiting, but God, that's how God works, right? We've all been there. God uses it in our lives. If you're trying to follow him, you're going to have a season where you're not hearing from God. You're waiting. You're wishing God would speak to you. You know, I have to be honest. Sometimes, sometimes as you're following God, I mean, I grew up in the church. I've known about Jesus all my life. You know, you grow up in the church, sometimes it's, you, you, I hate to say this, but you can take God for granted. You just kind of assume God's there, He cares about you. You don't even, you're like the guys who got healed, the blind man. You don't even come back and say thank you. You just can take God for granted. And sometimes when God withdraws, 
you start to notice God's miss. What's going on? He deprives you of his presence, you know, that sense of his presence. Maybe when you're coming to God, you're praying. You're not really seeking God in his heart, but when you're praying, you're asking God to give you what you need, which the Bible tells us to do, and you're asking God to bless your plans. But you're leaving out something very important. You're not seeking after God in his heart and what he wants and what, who he is. And so you're taking God for granted, and sometimes he might withdraw and give you a time of silence so you hunger to create that hunger for God in your heart, to get your attention. God uses it to grow you, to draw you back to him. And you have to choose. Are you going to trust God no matter what happens? You know, the two hardest books for me to read in the Bible are Leviticus and Job. <laughs> Anybody here have a hard time reading Leviticus? Just get, it's just so detailed. And I'm sure it's all important, but I need, I need a lot of help understanding most of what's in Leviticus. It's, it's a tough one. But Job is hard for different reason because Job's a guy who Satan came to God and challenged him and God allowed Satan to test Job. And man, Job didn't know what's going on. He didn't know why. And so chapter after chapter, he's, he's experiencing God's silence and he's so frustrated. The reason God allows Satan to trust Job, I don't understand all the reasons, but one of the re- I, I really don't totally, I read that book, it's just hard. But just being honest. But, um, you know, one of the things was he wanted Satan to see, hey, Job, Job has chosen to trust in me no matter what. And man, Job lost just about everything. His family, his possessions. Finally, Job came to this place in Job 13. He says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Man, Job had some pretty strong faith. I don't know if I could, man, if I lost everything like Job did, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm there yet. I mean, I'm just being honest, but Job, he's somebody who chose to trust God. Even though God wasn't answering him, he chose to trust God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by hearing from God all the time. We walk by what we know, by what God's already revealed to us, by who he is, by what he's done. God wants us to trust him and to choose. He wants us to take some steps of faith. And I want to close with some, something very important for you to think about. As we're going into this holiday season. We're going to celebrate the birth of Christ. Well, do you know between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are about 400 years where God went silent. There are about 400 years where we have no recorded scriptures. 400 years where the people weren't hearing from God anymore. He didn't send prophets to speak to them anymore. One reason was because God was fed up. They kept doing the same old thing anyway and turning their backs on him. But at the same time, God was also at work preparing the way. And what was God doing during those 400 years? You know, if you study history, some amazing things happened during those 400 years. Alexander the Great, he, he conquered most of the known world and united the world. And then later the Romans defeated, you know, took over all this land. And they, they brought a common language. Now there weren't just all... More and more people could communicate each other in a common language. Kind of like when I travel, I can usually find somebody who speaks English. Well, there became a common language, the Greek of the day. And when the Romans got in charge, they brought peace and they built amazing roads. And all this God was preparing the timing so that when he sent Jesus, people could communicate beyond their own people more easily. The gospel could spread down these roads. There was peace that would help spread the good news about Jesus. In Galatians, Paul says this, But when the right time finally came, God sent his own son, 
He came as the son of a human mother and lived under the Jewish law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might become God's children. For 400 years, I'm sure a lot of people were wondering, where's God? Why, why are we hearing from God like our parents used to? Why aren't we hearing from God like, you know, God's word was still there. God was still, still present, but he wasn't speaking to them like before. But God broke those 400 years of silence at just the right time. And then we look at the life of Jesus and he knew what it was like to have a time when God the Father went silent. It's a, little, it's a little confusing. You know, we think about God. God is one. But somehow God exists as three, being, three parts, three beings. I don't know how to explain it exactly, but there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, His Spirit. And Jesus was very clear. I and the Father are one. The Bible is very clear. Jesus is God. But somehow Jesus is is presenting God to us as the Son, as, a, as God in flesh, and there's God the Father. And when Jesus was on earth, he would pray to his Father. And when he went to the cross, he bore our sins, the guilt. Jesus went to the cross for us because he was sinless. He had not sinned. And he went to the cross, and he bore our guilt. And when all that guilt of all of us and all the people throughout history was heaped onto Jesus, the Father turned his back on the Son. Jesus had never experienced guilt or the consequences of sin. And look what he said. My God, my God, why have you left me? Man, sometimes in your dark times when God is silent, I mean, I know sometimes I've felt that way. God, where are you? Why have you left me? And Jesus experienced that on the cross. But he refused. He refused to give in, to make assumptions. Because when he died a few moments later, he says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I put my spirit, I trust you with my life, with my spirit, I trust you. And with those words, he breathed his last. Jesus knows what it's like. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, just like you and me. He knows what it's like when the Father goes silent. He knows what it's like to wrestle with that. But I want to encourage you, when God is silent, I believe God is rearranging the stage in your life, just like he was in the world. I believe God is working in your life. So at just the right time, he's going to show up and nudge you, speak to you. You're going to hear his voice when you're ready, when you've confessed your sins, when you've continued to draw near to him, when you're ready to listen. At just the right time, he's going to speak to you and he's going to show up in a powerful way. He's just, if, if you're in a silent time right now, I know God is doing something to prepare you for what he wants to do in your life, what he wants to bring in your life. He's shaping you. He's growing you. He's teaching you to, to trust him no matter what. And I know I'm confident that you hang in there and you keep drawing near into God, borrowing some confidence, confessing your sins, that at just the right time, he's going to speak to you when you need to hear, when you need to know what he wants to say. Well, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your mercy and kindness to us. And, you know, God, sometimes it's frustrating. It's hard to follow you sometimes. It's hard to hold on when we're not hearing from you, when we're not sensing your presence. But, Lord, you, you're speaking to us through your word. You've placed us in a church family where if we show up, we'll, we'll hear other people who are experiencing you fully in their life right now. And you want us to, to grow. You want to grow our faith through those quiet times. And help us to hang on. Help us to keep turning to you and drawing near to you. God, give us a hunger for you in those silent times. Help us not to take you for granted. But God, bigger than bringing our requests to you and and asking you to bless our plans, God, help us to seek you 
to seek your heart, your friendship, a relationship with you. Help us to seek what your will is for our lives. God, give us a hunger for you. Help us to hang on during those times when you're silent. In Christ's name we pray, amen.